We're talking about the last sayings tonight. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. I want you to follow a golden thread through these seven sayings. I want you to walk with me. I want you to see this word, these words, and just follow one thought through it with me. I would have to say that the seven sayings on Calvary teach us one great lesson, and that's the lesson of love. Love. I'm always thrilled. Let me tell you how thrilled I am. I'm always thrilled when I read and when I hear from the lips of doctors and from the lips of psychiatrists and from the lips of psychologists how important love is. Okay? And the doctors say that People that are operated on from very serious operations. When those people are visited and loved, they heal quicker. And I love it because it's a proven fact. I'm not telling you a story. It's a proven fact. They heal quicker. Isn't that marvelous? Love is a special medicine. Love is, is God's gift. And when you think in terms of love and you want an interpretation for love, the Bible gives the best interpretation ever. God is love. And people that love have a touch of God. Because he's the only one that teaches us to love. Now, there is a division in love, but it's still love. In the Greek, we have filial, which simply means family love, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. The only thing is don't limit yourself to that little circle. Don't limit yourself. Because love is a, is a powerful force that has got to move out beyond the family circle. Love beyond. And then there's eros. And we know what that's all about. It's the passionate, sexual, human love. And I'm so glad it's in the Bible. And I'm so glad that God gave it to us. And I'm so glad it's so special. Okay? It's not dirty. It's not undercover. It's not, ooh. Uh-uh. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. And I thank God for that. But then there's a third word in the Bible. And it's called agape. Now that's, it's different. And agape is the love of God. And it's what God tells us to shed abroad and to share with others. Agape, the love of God. In these last sayings, there is such love. You see, you'll never understand Calvary. You'll never understand his death through religious tradition. You can go through it and you can get very saddened and you can cry as though you were there and it may play a special part in your life. But you know what? You've got to see his death as the greatest love experience earth will ever have. There will never be an experience of love greater than Calvary. Never. 
Yet the wrappings, I want to tell you something about the wrappings. They were horrible. Because I don't think, and I can't think, of loving its beauty and then look at a cross with a bleeding man. You see, it's not beautiful. And that's what the scripture said. The scripture said we would see him, but he would not be beautiful. And the scripture said we'd turn our eyes from him. And the scripture says he'd be despised and dejected. Yet, Calvary holds the greatest love. The surroundings were horrendous. A cross, a brow that's open, and sweat and blood flowing from there. A side that's split open by a Roman spear. Feet that have been nailed. A man who you can count his ribs. An agony like the world has never known. That was Calvary. Yet it was love. Just love. God has a strange way of loving us. It's just that his love costs so much. It's just that his love is so different. In your first saying, you've got a Jesus that looks upon a world and upon people that are simply saying, you saved others, why don't you save yourself? They're not really talking about salvation. They're not really talking about redemption. It's sort of a mockery. And they're telling him, come on down. And there's a thief on the cross that's saying, yeah, save yourself and save us. It'd be great if you could do it. And Jesus simply looks at the multitude and says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they didn't. They didn't. Listen to this. They didn't know it positively, and they didn't know it negatively. Yeah, they just didn't know it. They didn't. They didn't know what they were doing. And I am so glad as I stand here tonight that although this is not a blanket forgiveness, this is not a down comfort of forgiveness that you just shove it over someone and you say, hey, you're forgiven. No. Matter of fact, there's nothing in the Bible that's that way. Everything that God gives has to be accepted. Everything that God gives has to be a matter of will and acceptance. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. What was he saying? It was love dying precisely for a dying world. It was love dying for a very sick world. It was love dying for a very lonely world. But the beautiful thing about it is that when you think of the fact that God is love, I say Jesus was dying and he was. Yet the commodity of love that he was giving was eternal. And his resurrection would prove that. One of the thieves said simply, get down and take us with you. And the other one just looks at Jesus and understands clearly that there's something different about him. 
I don't understand it. I don't know where he's coming from. Hasn't been able to put the logistics together. Doesn't know anything about anything. But isn't it marvelous that there is in this world the realm of the spirit? And you know why this world is going crazy today? Because they don't acknowledge their realm of the spirit. They don't acknowledge their inner man. They don't acknowledge that within them there is a soul and a spirit that cries out for God. They decorate the outer man. They feed the outer man. They set the outer man up. And they make him look good. And they prosper him. And they push him ahead. And all the time it's just the outer man. Because the inner one is dying. And this thief on the cross is, I don't know. I can't explain it. But you know, sir, wherever you're going... I love this. This is, this is crazy confidence. Do you understand? This is, this is faith without measure. He simply says, remember me. Because in a, in a little while, we're both going to close our eyes. But I want to go wherever you're going. And I love Jesus. I love Jesus. You know what he says? You'll be with me today in paradise. Woo! What a meeting. What a date. Today in paradise. Love for a dying world, but that love seen in the love for a needy thief. I love God. He deals with the entire, but he brings it down to the personal. Because you see, sometimes we can't grasp this. But we can grasp the idea of one, for we move into that great thought and that great experience. Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. Now this is interesting. We have love for a dying world and we have love for a needy thief. But you know what Calvary revealed? Love for his mother. Mary. Sometimes we Protestants are accused, and sometimes rightfully so, of not giving Mary her proper place. But you know something? Jesus did. Jesus did. And it's so beautiful. Well, what, what was he doing? What was happening? Well, he was dying on a cross. He was leaving this world, but he was leaving his mother behind. And he says to John, the apostle, son, and he says it very clear, here is your mother. And the scripture then says, and he took her into his house from that day on. And I love what the scripture says, John lived to be a hundred. So you know he kept her, you know he cared for her, you know he loved her. And you know in his ministry she was, she was well, well watched over until she went to be with the Lord. Do you know what that tells us? Love for his mother explains a love that's not understood too much in this world. Love brings responsibilities. We don't want to be responsible. 
We live in a world that takes great deal of pride in saying they're free thinkers, they're free souls, they're free spirits. Well, you can be all free you want to be. But my Bible and my Lord teaches me responsibility. He was not going to leave this world unless he knew she was well cared for. And I have to say, love is responsibility. There are many Christians that uh, profess their tremendous faith and their tremendous Christianity, but they're not responsible. They're not responsible to their homes. They're not responsible to their jobs. They're not responsible to their community. Love is responsibility. There's something so magnificent about Calvary. There isn't any aspect of life it does not cover. There isn't any aspect of life it does not cover. And this great care of Jesus for his mother simply tells us his interest in basic human responsibilities. And it's interesting because if you go to the Bible, the only, one of the only times he makes a tremendous correction on the Jewish community is when he tells the Pharisees, the word of God says, honor thy mother and thy father. But you have said, bring that which you're going to give to your parents to the church, to the synagogue, and we'll call it Kobran, which means I'm not giving it to you, mother or dad. I'm giving it to God. So that is supposed to, and I love Jesus. Jesus says it doesn't work. Now, if you study that carefully, you will go into a pattern of social thinking, which is absolutely magnificent. If we followed the word of God, we wouldn't have to warehouse our senior citizens. If we followed the word of God, responsibility would be such a beautiful part of our lives. I feel sorry for homes where there aren't senior people around. There's something people and children drink from older people that they can get from no one else. I'm not going to go into that because we'll, be, we'll, be, we'll have a, a storm, but I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Calvary teaches us responsibility, and love is being responsible. Have you ever had somebody love you but don't care for you? Isn't that interesting? Te adoro. I love you. I adore you. There's no food. No rent is being paid. Nobody gets the clothes out of the dry cleaning. Isn't that amazing? Te adoro. I love you. I love you. No, 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 no. Hey, let's show it the way it's supposed to be shown. Love is responsibility. In the fourth word, we find something that is a little different. And this is Maybe the most tragic moment, yet the most victorious of all the moments. I said that the first word talks about love for a dying world. I said the second phrase talks about love for a needy thief, very personal, very intimate. The third saying has to do with responsibility and love for his mother and love that we might have for our parents. The fourth has to do with 
unbroken love being broken. Now this is it, okay? Calvary created the most dangerous schism the world has ever known. Calvary separated Jesus from his father. That was the most dangerous separation the world has ever known. It was a moment when Jesus carried our sins. Carried them as too small a word. It's when Jesus became sin. That's completely different. In other words, he became sin for us. To explain it easily would simply say that all of your sins and all of my sins and all of the past sins and all of the future sins and throw in with the sins the sicknesses and throw in with the sicknesses the debauchery of this whole wide world. Throw in every unkind thought and throw in every filthy situation and pile that on Jesus. For he became sin. Means that all the offerings that were presented in the Old Testament, which were simply shadows and symbols of what was to come, all of that was laid on Jesus. What a heavy load. And it was at that moment that the Father turns his face and the Son is left alone with the tremendous load of becoming sin. And in his loneliness, he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Eli, Eli, lama sabatani. Why hast thou forsaken me? It was the first time from eternity to Calvary that they were ever separated. You see, we don't understand that. I'm telling it to you, and I don't understand it, because it's just too much. It's too heavy. It's unreal. From eternity to Calvary, never separated. Together in that great moment, when he said, let there be light. Together in that tremendous moment when they created the whole universe. Always together. Always together. And now on Calvary comes the most excruciating separation the world has ever known. Why? Simply to give to us what only a sacrifice like that could give to us. To open up heaven to us through the death of his son. And I've, I've shared this with you and I'll share it again. The cry is, my Lord, my Lord, why hast thou forsaken me? It's at that moment that the earth is in total darkness. An eclipse takes place. 
And for three hours, darkness enfolds the entire earth. The scripture says that the earth shook. And they could feel it. But at that very moment, in the city of Jerusalem, the veil of the temple was opened. Better said, it was torn from the top to the bottom. The scripture says, it was rent in two. And the answer is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God answers back, my son, this is the only way to give entrance to the world. It's the only way to let other people in. And so Jesus cries out on Calvary and in Jerusalem the veil is rent, the way is made open and you and I can rush into the Holy of Holies with God and nothing can hold us back. Jesus says, come on and thank God. Unbroken love that was broken only to unfold all of us. The fifth word is I am thirsty and it said... After Jesus saw that every scripture, I love this, was fulfilled. You see, he came with heaven's time clock. He came with the tick-tock of the prophetic clock of heaven. And there came a moment where he realized on Calvary, every prophet has been fulfilled. Every prophecy has been completed. That which had to do with his coming. That which had to do with his death. And he says, I'm thirsty. Wrap that up in his humanity, folks. It's such an earthly cry. It's such a cry of human flesh that's broiling in the sun of the Judean hills. I am thirsty. Whoa. He that made the oceans and the rivers and the brooks. He that gave the path of the tremendous waterfalls of the worlds. <laughs> he that said to the woman by the well, if you drink the water that I will give you, you will thirst no more. It's his parched body that simply says, I'm thirsty. I love this humanity. I love that humanity. Because in that humanity, I can understand. Of that humanity, I can partake. Of that humanity, I can say, Lord, I know what it is to be thirsty. You were thirsty. Or we could spiritualize that, folks. His thirst was for you and for me. His thirst was to quench our thirst. His thirst was that we would not thirst anymore. Thank God for that. Right after that, the word of God says that he says. That fifth word talks about love completed. Love completed. And love perfected. And where is that perfection of love? In the beautiful words of the master, it is finished. I don't know about you, but I want to I talk to you now about finishing things. How many people here, 
have a lot of unfinished business. Let me see your hand. Come on, come on, come on. And the others that didn't raise it are just lying. There is nothing, there is no, there's no greater harassment than unfinished business. Isn't it the truth? Oh yeah. I don't care if it's closets that haven't been cleaned. Right? I don't care if it's under the bed that hasn't been vacuumed in how, God knows how long. Okay? Unfinished business. It could drive you crazy. Have you ever gotten up in the morning and you don't want to get up? Only because you know of all the things you've got to do? Nobody suffers like that? I have, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Every now and then I think I'm all alone. Unfinished business. Wow. That's why this is so important. It is finished. Hallelujah. It is finished. When it comes to salvation for man, it's finished. When it comes to giving man happiness, it's finished. When it comes to washing away sins, it's finished. When it comes to renewing life, it's, it's finished. When it, when it comes to healing, it's finished. When it comes to loving, it's finished. When it comes to, you name it. In the spiritual realm of our existence, you name it. It is finished. Oh, I love that. Nothing undone. It's finished. The cry reaches heaven and the angels are rejoicing. I know there was a party in heaven. I know they flip-flopped from one side to the other. I know they called out. And if they had their different uh, series of angels, because uh, there are archangels and there are seraphims and there are cherubims and there are all kinds of angels, there must have been the fluttering of the worlds in heaven. Did you hear it? It's finished. It's finished. It's finished. Did you hear it? Michael, did you hear it? It's finished. Gabriel, did you hear it? It's finished. And the seraphims with two wings, they closed their eyes, uh, covered their eyes, and with two wings, they covered their feet. And with two wings, uh, they would fly through the heavens. Uh, and it's those uh, that would say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, heaven and earth is full of their glory. And they were flying around that day, and they were saying, it's finished. And then the message gets down to the Sheol which is divided from the Hades. And in the shell, the word gets in. It is finished. It's Jesus' telegram from Calvary to Abraham. Abraham, remember the day that you were going to sacrifice Isaac and God didn't let you, but it was a type of what he would do. And remember the day that you and Isaac jumped on the mountain and you sang the song, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. And the word went down, Abraham, it's finished. Moses, it's finished. Job, remember the day you cried out, I know that my Redeemer liveth. He did it, Job. He did it. It's finished. Hallelujah. It's over. 
to each of the prophets in their own way, to Isaiah and to Jeremiah and to Ezekiel and to Amos and to all of the rest of them, down to Malachi. It's finished. It's finished. It's finished. That's what Calvary says. It's finished. And because it was finished, no use staying around any longer. Father, I commit to thee my spirit. And Jesus left. Hallelujah. That's Calvary. You know what it is? Love perfected. And in committing his spirit to his father, a return to perfect love. A job completely fulfilled. Folks, Calvary is the place of perfection where God perfected his work of redemption. Now he wants us to understand that everything that happened at Calvary is for you and is for me and it holds to this very hour and to this very day. Jesus loves you. He finished his work on Calvary just for you. It's your day of redemption. It's your day of salvation. It's your day to be able to say, he carried my sins. I need no longer to carry them. Trust him. Shall we pray?